WHYY and Billy Penn. It is hitting season. I'm your host, John Stolness from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to recap the Phil series against the Padres. Phillies with a nice, clean series victory, taking three out of four from, I think we can call them the dead and buried San Diego Padres at this point. We'll talk about some of the heroes from this series. A couple of the guys they really need to get going played a big role in taking this series victory. Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, we'll talk about them. Zach Wheeler, the bullpen. Uh, We'll get into some trade deadline stuff just a little bit, and then we'll preview the upcoming series against the Milwaukee Brewers, a very interesting team, a team that, as I look over the roster, I wonder to myself, how on earth are they in first place in the National League Central. All that coming up here on this edition of Hit and Season. Uh, Justin Clue getting the night off tonight. So joining me, one of my very favorite people in the world, my good friend Liz Rocher, of course, from Yahoo Sports. You can follow her on Twitter at Liz Rocher. Liz, how was your weekend? Uh, John, the feeling is mutual. Uh, My weekend was great. I spent it at the Arts Festival at Penn State. I'm sure some people listening know what that is. It's a it's a huge uh, juried art festival with awesome stuff for sale and street food and kettle corn made right in front of your face that I most certainly haven't been eating <laughs> for the last day and a half. Uh, it was a fun weekend, and uh, I, we sort of got to watch the Phillies a little bit here and there, but my dad my dad is the highlights man. Uh-huh, uh-huh. My dad, he, is, he has watched the highlights of a game Sometimes before I even know what the result is, depending on how I'm feeling about the Phillies that night. Mr. Rocher is a good man. He's, he's a good, good man. He's a good man. You can always <laughs> tell the cut of a man's jib by how quickly he can get the condensed game of the Phillies up on his phone. That's 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 the sign of a man raised, a man raised right, a man who did life the right way, you know? Exactly. It was a it was a wonderful weekend and the Phillies only made it better. They walked off on my husband's birthday. So yes, thank you happy birthday to Sean. That, yes. That day a better day. <laughs> I, I, I mentioned this because I was actually I was watching the game. Uh, we had the game on in the house because it, it started so late. The game on Sunday It was a three hour delay due to rain. And so I'm making dinner on, on Sunday night for everybody. And I just threw the game on and uh, was watching it as I was cooking and, and doing a couple different things. And um, it was it was really great to see. I, was, I remember remarking to my wife, like, how how much better I feel when they're winning and, and when they when they win a game. I don't let losses deflate me. But the funny thing is, like, losses used to... I mean, there are some times when this team loses and it makes me mad. And oh, it, yeah. it doesn't last as long as it did when I was an immature idiot. But, <laughs> you know, I still you know? get... It's more of an irritation now. I'm just like, oh, man, they, why didn't they, they really needed to win that game. That really, they had that game. And now, but, you know, so... But I don't take the losses as hard, but the wins... Still fill we fill me, I think, with enough with with as much joy as they ever did. And and winning that game on Sunday to take to 
to to win the series just felt it felt so much better. We were talking just before we we hit the record button here about how last time we spoke, the Phillies lost those last two games against the Marlins after having swept the Rays, and then that they had that amazing win with the Christian Pache homer uh, in that Friday game against the Marlins, and it looked like they were going to go into the All Star break just like a freight train, and and they really kind of derailed in those last two Marlins games, and I was upset about that because I I wanted to sit down in this chair and I just wanted to, to, to be unadulterated glee going into the all-star break and and they kind of took that away and I was starting to get that feeling on Sunday right when when uh, when when the Padres tied the game up after the Phillies had come back and taken a five to three lead and you know they take the lead in the 10th and you think oh they're the Phillies they, they're not going to do it they're not going to get it done and then Bryce Harper hits that game tying single in the 10th inning he did it to the mm. Padres again Liz yeah even the Padres TV announcers said the same things. And, and Bryce Harper does it to the Padres again. Um, and then, of course, you have the, the the walk off in the twelfth. And we'll get into the game a little bit more here in just a second. But it just it, it felt it it just it's amazing how much better I felt that night and during the course of the day on Monday, knowing the Phillies had won that series. It was so much more satisfying than a split would have been. A split would have been a victory for the Padres. I feel like it really would have been like they they. They would have been able to say we tied one of the best, you know, one of the be- hottest teams, if not the best, the hottest teams in the National League right now. That yeah. would have been at least, if not a victory, at least it would it would have felt a lot better than this did. Yeah, and they <laughs> would have gotten the momentum. Does. You know, they they had they would have had the momentum. You know, and, and you could say like, you know, hey, we it, when when you're ever a visiting team and you're playing a four game series, you want to at least get a split in that four game series. And, and that's, that's kind of the Padres need to do better than that. Given where they are in the standings, they need to start winning series. If they have any chance of getting back in and spoiler alert, they don't. Um, but oh, oh. <laughs> they, maybe they, they're listen. I, I will never count. I won't count a team out till they're really mathematically eliminated. I'm not, I'm not tempting fate that way. So you're not, you're not, you haven't seen enough. You're not Bob Nightingale. You haven't thrown dirt over the Padres head. I, he had a, such if an interesting. Bob Nightingale has said something will happen. My instinct is to choose the opposite. Because <laughs> he said, basically, after the after the Phillies swept the Padres on Saturday, he said something like, you know, uh, the Padres are dead and buried or something like that. I forget what the exact tweet was, but I was like, that was somebody something made bob upset i mean it sounded like he was a little upset at the padres after like, like one of the clearly they are no one, one of the most disappointing the teams phillies, in recent man. memory but yeah <laughs> no one thinks um, the phillies are for real and i think part of the reason why the wins feel so good is that they've come at key times and they're building some they're building towards something it feels yeah i wouldn't call it momentum exactly but the winning feels good because all the wins have meaning. They mm-hmm. they win so they've won so well, and it's yeah. been so much fun. There've been comeback yeah. wins. There've been tight you know wins. They've been able to get it done in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. and I think it feels good, even more so when they've managed to just salvage a win out of whatever, for them to actually feel like they're building momentum. They're closer to the Marlins than they've been. In a, yeah. quite a while. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's a huge deal. 
Yeah, as we mentioned, the Marlins the Marlins schedule gets much tougher here in the second half of the season, and the Phillies' okay. schedule eases up. I know it's just terrible news uh, that the Marlins are going to have some trouble here. It looks like uh, they're losing to the Cardinals tonight as well as we're recording this 6-4 uh, to four in the eighth inning, so the Phillies could get even closer. As we start recording this, uh, the Phillies are just one game behind the Marlins, so it could be they're within a half a game of Miami uh, in the wild card race, and it's just such a weird National League picture right now. There are seven teams between 50 and and 54 wins as we are recording this. And so um, Phillies are right in the mix. They take three out of four. They're 26 and 10 in their last 36 games. The entire series was a gut check series because the Padres took the lead first in every single one of these games on, on in the doubleheader sweep, which you never see the Phillies sweep a doubleheader. No. Never, ever, ever no. do you see the Phillies sweep a doubleheader. Um, but they did it convincingly on Saturday. But the Padres took an early lead in each of those games. And... We talked all last year about the Phillies having the big loser energy. One of the things you heard talked a lot about in a Matt Gelb story and Todd Zalecki wrote about it is the resiliency that this team has shown. And you mentioned it, like they they came back in a bunch of different games. They're they're winning in different ways. They're winning some high-scoring games. They're winning some well-pitched, low-scoring games. They're winning with late comebacks. And that's what we saw in this Padres series. The Phillies just ripped the Padres' hearts out in oh, this yeah. series with these late game comebacks against a Padres bullpen that is in shambles. Like the Padres starters did very well in this series. They actually did a really good job against the Phillies offense. But as soon as they got the starters out, the Phillies went to work on these relievers and they, they ripped the Padres hearts out and the Padres have no heart. Okay. Then you talk about a team oh with God. big, with big this loser energy. It's the Padres. If you're looking for a, the a difference between are these husks two teams, and shells. They, they are, are nothing but pod people. Sorry. It's their names. They they are a collection of names, and I wouldn't have thought that coming into the year because they did seem to play with so much energy last year. But I don't know if they just if, if there's something there's something off in that in that clubhouse. I don't know if it's the return of Tatis. I don't know if it's just no, a lot I mean, of guys. Not Tatis has been doing well for himself, and he's so, fine. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know what it is. It's, I mean, it's, who knows? <laughs> a yeah. Curse of it. The curse of AJ Preller. Who knows? Well, the thing, and I have always really liked the Padres as an organization, as a team, because, because they've never really had a, a run of success and they are kind of due to have something good happen to them as an organization. I mean, they actually, they're a small market team that went out this off season and spent big, right? Trying to put a, a put, drawing the ire of the commissioner because he dared to be a small market team and and spend big money on players to spend well, beyond what they're bringing years. in. They have well, been. They've been doing that for years now. Like yeah. they've they've been ponying up and they've been doing what they've been supposed to do. And I think yeah. just sometimes nature and luck. Yeah. I mean the Phillies won one World Series out of that incredible run including a season when they had four aces. Four. Right. Right, right. You, know, like, no, you don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's the fact that they have really not been able to get very far at all that yeah. sort of makes it all feel a lot worse.
Yeah. Yeah, and the, the Phillies had some had their stars step up in this series, and they also had some unsung heroes step up in this series. Uh, you had the stars. Kyle Schwarber had an incredible series, five for 18, <laughs> three home runs, seven RBIs, two walks in the series. In the series, he had a game-tying home run. He had a home run that brought them to within a run on Sunday. He had a go-ahead game-winning single. He had a go-ahead three-run home run. He had a walk-off sacrifice fly, all in this one series. I know the batting average is awful and his slumps are debilitating, but with 25 home runs, he's sixth in Major League Baseball. Only Aaron Judge has hit more home runs since the start of last season. Judge has 81, Schwarber has 71. Just out of curiosity, can you guess who is third in the Major Leagues in home runs since the start of last season, Liz? The start of last season. Is start it, of last season. This is all MLB? Yes, all of MLB. It's it's Judge and then Schwarber and then uh, take a guess who's the third. Is it Shohei Otani? It is Shohei Otani. Yes, indeed. I'm I'm impressed. I would not. I saw really? that name on there. <laughs> I know Shohei Otani has been hitting the cream cheese out of the ball, man. <laughs> I know. I just. But when I think, I guess when I was thinking of, of like a, like the third most home runs over the last you know two years, I just did for whatever reason it surprised me that that a pitcher would be at that high on the list. But no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it did surprise me. Well, can, good 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 pull there on Shohei. Um, and thirty eight percent of Schwarber's hits this year have been home runs. Thirty eight percent of his hits have been home runs. Last year it was. Is still unbelievable, 36.5%. It's actually gone up, that percentage. So it's because, it's because he doesn't have a lot of hits, I think, is no. the issue. Well, he doesn't know how to hit doubles. He doesn't know how to hit singles. Like, his bat doesn't no. allow him to do it. It just, for whatever reason, he hits home runs, or he hits the occasional single, or the man strikes out. I mean, that's just, that. that's what he does. But when he gets hot, and he's hot right now, you can see how he can own a series, and he can put a team on his back, and that's what that's what he did here in this series against, uh, against the Padres. Uh, Bryce Harper finally went deep in this series, Liz. Finally broke that homerless drought, a career-high 166 plate appearances without a home run. And I gotta tell you, what I really really liked about Harper during that homerless stretch. And I think it's something that makes him different now than maybe earlier in his career, if he'd have gone through something like this, is that he never really seemed that he was trying to get out of the drought by trying to hit home runs. You know, he, it didn't seem like he changed his approach. It didn't seem like he changed anything. He was content to just keep putting good swings on the ball, taking his walks, taking his line drives, letting the chips kind of fall where they may, be productive, and I think kind of just knowing it would come around. And even with that drought, he's hitting 300 on the season with a 395 on base and a 426 slugging. He's got an 821 OPS this oh, year, Lord. even with just the four home <laughs> runs. Wow, just four. That's a, it's, that's Isn't that that's crazy? That's still flabbergasting to, yeah. to hear. And like you would guess that he would have hit more just because his average is still so high. His on-base percentage is so high. But he's not. He's contributing in other ways. And you have to give him credit that he has stayed true to his form. Yeah. He knows that it works. He mm -hmm. just has to trust the process of his body getting back, his body, his arm, his elbow, his wrists getting back to where they need to be after missing the time that he did and spending so much of the season probably just not necessarily being at full strength. Not that he was hurt, but right. he wasn't at full strength. And now I think maybe he's hitting his stride somewhat 
and he owes it all just to just to staying consistent. You know, and yeah. And I do. Do you think when he was in his younger days with the Nationals that this would have spiraled? I mean, I, I really feel like he was a he was a less mature player than he is now, and that it, it would have gotten out of control for him. I, I and I was just that's one of the things I've been so impressed with with him is that he just you could tell he was frustrated at times, right? You could, in a couple incidents where he slams his helmet down in the in the dugout where he felt like maybe he he would have had one and, and didn't, but. He, he never, like his his strikeout rate didn't go up into the 30s, which happens sometimes with guys like Nick Castellanos last year when they when they lose it. Yeah, like he he's stayed patient because he knows he knows pitching. He knows mm-hmm. what he knows what guys are going to throw to him. He just has to figure out in what order they're going to do it. Yeah. You know, he how old he was 25 in his last season with. The Nationals. Is that right? Twenty. He was twenty-five. He was twenty-six in his first. I mean, that it it is incredible to think he's thirty now. Yeah. You know, we really have. I mean, we really have seen him grow up. He was already a father when he got here. You know, baseball players tend to mature a little bit faster because they're on their own in the minors really early. Yeah. You know, so it it has been incredible to see him. Maybe not grow up quote-unquote but sort of come into his own as a player you know as a person as a public figure with the Phillies Mm -hmm. you know it's it's been good to see him do that and have I'm sure he appreciates the unconditional support he gets from us because the fans have did not I mean he has been productive but they have not turned on him no homers it's been difficult to deal with, but he's been proving his value, you know, every single time, every single game. There's no reason for anyone to turn on him. Let me throw a controversial, maybe, <laughs> Let's hear it. maybe talk show hosty type question your Ooh, way. Okay. All right. Has he passed Chase Utley in terms of fan favoritism? You know what I mean? Like We're in talking terms of- about two different things. Okay. I'm going to say it's too different. Like, you can't, like, you can't really compare Mike Schmidt and Chase Sutley. People want to, but you can't. You can't compare these guys from different eras because every team is different. We all love every team differently. There were really no, like, no mirrors of, you know, no, um, like, matches from the 2008 team to the, 2022 team we're not like oh this is the ryan howard this is the chase utley you know this is the cole hamels no they were all their own new guys and so i think we can all we can see like bryce harper is gonna rank up there with the with the best phillies the most beloved phillies of all time like i think Mm -hmm. that is that's the threshold he's crossed especially last year's playoffs really cemented it without that i don't know where we would have been where we would be but we've got from that playoff we're all devoted to him yes you know yes yeah it's it's hard to think even because even at the end of his tenure in philadelphia chase utley struggled but he he didn't lose any support among the fan base i think the fan base recognized at a certain point it was time to move on but um everybody still loved him even though he wasn't as productive as he used to be and bryce harper will get there too um, but you're right. The, that home run, the legendary home run, 
Um, and it's funny we you you talk about that because this the 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 game tying single that he hit in the tenth inning on Sunday was against Josh Hader, mm-hmm. the guy he probably should have been facing in that situation in game five of the national league championship series it just calls to mind what on earth bob melvin was thinking like the whole reason you go out and you trade for josh Hader last year is to face that man in that spot and the fact that he didn't because he wanted to hold him for a save situation in the ninth inning (laughs) you just you deserve to lose but uh we saw (laughs) i i couldn't believe liz that was only the second time Harper had ever faced Josh Hader. Like these two guys have been in the National League together for forever. How is that only the second time these two guys have faced each other? That's crazy to me. For the vast majority of Bryce Harper's time with the Nationals, they weren't very good. <laughs> right? I they- don't know about that. No, since 20 from like 2012 to when did he leave? 2017. 2018, 2017, 2012 to 2017. They were a playoff team just about every year, weren't they? Were they? Hold on. I'm looking it up right now. 2012, because 2011 ended the Phillies' run. And I'm, so that was the last year the Phillies won the division. I'm pretty sure the Nationals won they the East in 2012. 2012, they lost the NLDS. 2014, they lost the NLDS. Yeah, I guess it's every other year. I just remember them being terrible for most of the time. But they never made it further than the NLDS. Right, right. No, yeah, that was their it, first certainly. round exits until 2019. Right. Right, right. The year Bryce, the year after Bryce, two years after Bryce Harper left, because that was obviously a story too. Yeah. Maybe, um, I mean, maybe that's why they just always lost in the first round or never made it further. Yeah, and Harper never really played all that well in in those playoff series either, except for you know an occasional hit here and there. But uh, in this series against the the Brewer uh, against the Padres, he went six for thirteen with that uh, with that drought busting home run, two doubles, two walks, three RBIs, four runs scored. He seemed to be in the middle of every rally, uh, and it was really funny. Did did you see? him uh making fun of trey turner uh when he was on second base he had a double in the game on sunday and trey turner was on first base and, and harper thought turner should have scored so turner's at third base and harper's at second base and he's starting to pretend like he's you know like using a walker to to have to walk because <laughs> turner wasn't fast enough to get around and, and trey's laughing you know as he's third it was it was a funny moment these guys that's the other thing too is like these guys with the resiliency that that you know was being bandied about in the clubhouse after the game on sunday you just you see it and one of the ways you see it is that matt gelb had this in his uh, story that came out on monday the phillies have had six blown saves since may 4th first of all imagine a phillies bullpen over a <laughs> two-month span having just six blown saves. I mean, <laughs> I was like, shocked. <laughs> I won't lie. I read that this morning. I was like, no. I mean, that can't Someone be right. But then, calculated. But then I just, realized I'm only saying that out of reflex because I can remember back and I don't remember a whole lot of blown saves. It, no, I was they, just negative out of reflex. Right. No, they, they, the, this bullpen has been exceedingly good when given a lead late. And that's because they have four closers that, that they can turn to. But they did blow a save on Sunday, the sixth one since May 4th. They've come back to win all six games. They've come back to win all six of those blown saves. That's, resiliency. Greg Soto had a blown save in the eighth inning. It was the team's first blown save in more than a month, but then Harper comes up with two outs and gets that gets that RBI single to center field. And then you had Jeff Hoffman. Oh, yeah. Who, we got to talk about this guy. We, we kind of, I think uh, about a month ago, he had a really awful performance in a high leverage situation. And mm-hmm. we were essentially saying, 
keep this guy out of high leverage Ooh. situations. <laughs> that well, if I man- could sum up my re- my reaction as <laughs> boo hiss <laughs> yeah, boo. That's, I was not that's a, we were all there. We were all there. Him and Junior Marte. We were ready to ship them off someplace. But he threw two show two shutout innings in extra innings in the eleventh and the twelfth. Um, and for folks who I mean, just need to be reminded. You start with the zombie runner on second and nobody out. Only seven times since the new extra inning rules have gone into effect has a relief pitcher pitched two shutout innings in the same game in extra innings. Matt Strom actually is one of those other seven play pitchers. He did it a month ago. Hoffman has a 2.59 ERA in 24 and a third innings with 33 strikeouts and only eight walks. While Sir Anthony Dominguez is still on the shelf, it sounds like he's getting closer to coming back. Liz, do you think it's Hoffman that should be getting more eighth inning right-handed reliever work? Is is he the guy? Because it seems like Rob Thompson's been using Junior Marte in that role. And I'm thinking they got to switch this up a little bit. Hoffman looks like he's the more stable guy. I mean, he certainly proved it. He put on a show for Rob Thompson and showed that he could be a stopper in a really important situation. He couldn't just be a stopper. He could be confident. Like, I think I read in, I believe I read in, in Gelb's piece that he, you know, Thompson asked him, are you good for one more? And he said, we won't need it. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, this team ju- is, they've been dying to be like this all season. They, they got, as soon as the, the everything turned to June, everything got fun. They remembered how to have fun. They realized they wanted to have fun. Like, they're mm-hmm. everyone is loose now. No one seems to be worried. And I, they could say whatever they want, but we know that that wasn't true all season. Right. And I think, no. like, a Jeff Hoffman and that surprise, surprise to me, two, I mean, two innings should surprise anybody. Two-inning performance is just sort of emblematic of that mm-hmm. altogether. You know, they all believe in themselves. They believe in each other. And that's the the most important thing about team chemistry. We all worried yeah. what separating some of this team was going to do mm-hmm. to the overall chemistry. And it hasn't really changed. These guys, as long as you've got the core there, they can bring everybody in no matter what. Yeah, it's starting to feel, the vibes are starting to feel like they were feeling in the spring when we were when we were thinking about this team and, and getting our hopes up about this team, thinking about the vibes of the 2022 playoff run. It, it's starting to feel that way again. You're starting to get a sense that these guys are starting to click. You're starting to get a sense that these guys are starting to gel. And I don't know if that means they're going to go and play 600 ball from this point on. It very well might mean that because the schedule is more friendly to them here in the second half. They do have a ton of home games, far more home games than road games from here on out. They don't leave the Eastern time zone, I don't think, through the entire month of August. So this things are lining up for this team to start to put some wins together. They, they have some tough opponents. This week's opponent, the Milwaukee Brewers, is the central leader, and it's not going to be an easy task, but they do have them at home in Philadelphia. But the way they're playing, and if Schwarber and Harper can continue to power this team, there's very few teams that can match what this Phillies team can do, especially when the vibes are like this, when these guys are all, that's the thing about this team. And I think it's what separates them from the Mets, the Padres, the Cardinals, these other National League playoff teams from last year who are struggling to keep their heads above water. The Phillies had their struggles earlier in the season and came through it and are playing good baseball now. 
Those other teams had their struggles early in the season and collapsed under the weight of them. And I don't know if that's because of the manager. I don't know what's because of the clubhouse chemistry. It's probably a combination of all of those different things. But it seems, Liz, like they found the mojo from the 2022 playoffs here in July in 2023. I hope I'm not making too big a deal out of winning these last three games against the Padres. But really, this has been going on over the last 36 games with the 26-10 and 10 record. Absolutely. Like, losing those last few games leading into the All-Star break was a bummer, uh, as I believe you put it. But it, if you look at it in larger context, it all looks pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. they swept the Rays, who are, after getting off to a, a start with a lead that could not ever be yeah. caught up to, everyone was oohing and on. I'm like, I think that's definitely impressive. Everyone who's signing their... You know, their airport plane tickets to the playoffs, you know, might want to slow your roll because it's April or it's May. Now it's mid-July and the Orioles are one game behind them. Yeah, the Rays struggle train pulled into the station. (laughs) They were, the Phillies swept them. Yeah. Like, and and when they were, when they swept them, that meant something. Yeah, that was yeah. an important thing because they were further ahead. You're welcome, Baltimore. That's right, Baltimore. You owe us for ruining and damaging the Rays, just like we damaged the Cardinals coming out of the Wild Card series last year. We 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 are like a swarm of ruinous bugs on your crops. We 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 are lo- <laughs> the locusts of Major League Baseball. We will come to destroy all you all you hold dear. That's. That's that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I remember back in that 07 to 11 run, those Phillies were a, were, a, were a group of assassins. I want to get back to that. I want to I want to be the I want to assassinate some baseball teams. Phyllis, you know, on the field, not in any kind of really creepy way. Sure. No, yeah, I'm with yeah. you in the non-creepy yeah, okay. stuff. Fair, yeah, in the non-creepy way. Yeah. Um, are you excited to see Bryce Harper at first base this week? It sounds like he's going to get in the field finally and play some first base against the Brewers. Let's get into it. Everyone yes. has been talking about Mookie Betts this season being able, being like 30 and or over 30 and being able to move from a, uh, like an outfield position to an infield position seamlessly. Well, meet another 30-year-old who's going to do it. His name is Bryce Harper. And granted, it is just first base, but he's still doing it. I'm, I am yep. excited to see how this is going to change the team dynamics, how he's going to look. Um, I don't honestly have a doubt that, I mean, it might be rough at times, but I think he's going to be more than serviceable. I can't imagine he I, won't be. I agree. He's Bryce Harper. Yeah, I agree. I think if, if there was any chance that he was going to struggle or look foolish out there, he would have, he would have put this in the bag months ago, right? Mm-hmm. He, he wouldn't, he will not, Bryce Harper will not put himself in a position where he's going to look stupid out there, where he's fumbling ground balls, where he has no mobility, where he can't scoop balls from first base and where he can't throw the ball across the diamond if he has to. And the There's Phillies no way he would do put that. put him in that position either. Correct. Yeah. yeah. No, that's very, very true. So what does it look like when he plays first base? You obviously have him at first. Boehm will now go back to being the everyday third baseman. They finally get Kyle Schwarber out of left field and put him at the designated hitter, which I also think will help his offense, not having to be in the field, get him off his knees, I think that's one of the reasons I'm also really optimistic about this team and the offense. My God, let's hope. (laughs) If you can get Schwarber sitting on his butt 
for nine innings every day, where the only time he has to be standing up and and working on those knees is when he's at the plate and running the bases. I think it's going to be make him fresher at the plate. So not only do I think this will help the defense, I also think this will help his offense. And then you're going to have against left-handers, you'll have Brandon Marsh in left field and Johan Rojas in center field. I want to talk about young Rojas here in just a second, Liz. Um, but against righties, I think the Phillies have an interesting decision. I also think they have a roster move that they should probably make because you'll have Harper at first, Bohm at third, Schwarber at DH. I think you're probably not going to play Rojas against right-handers, so you move Marsh back to center field. And then I think they should bring up Jake Cave from AAA. Mm-hmm. Send down Derek Hall. With with Harper at first base now, unfortunately for Derek Hall, he's redundant. They don't need him at the big league level at this point. He's never going to play. I mean, he might play when Harper, because Harper's not going to play first base every single day. So maybe he doesn't go down right away, but you'd also have Drew Hill for reasons passing understanding still on this baseball team. You probably send down Derek Hall. You keep Drew Hill, Drew Hill up here for a little bit because you need that extra righty bat. And then you can have Jake Cave play left field as a left-handed hitter against right-handed pitchers. Or do you think they should just play Rojas in center field every day? I don't necessarily think they should play Rojas in center field every day. I like your plan i like your idea the jake cave plan the jake cave plan i like i mean that. it's not it's no one's ideal plan making jake cave a regular player but he's been killing it in triple a he struggled with the phillies earlier in the year but he's been just smashing the ball at lehigh valley yeah like if he's if he's bored there which it seems like he is <laughs> yeah uh then you know have him come up because Derek hall certainly uh no offense to him but i don't think he's doing irreplaceable things I don't no, think he's, he's doing not. irreplaceable things. And you've got a guy who's hot in AAA. Might as well bring him up and see if he could do something. Yeah, like, in a platoon they have that role. flexibility. Why not use it? Because I also think in the next couple of weeks, Dave Dombrowski will probably trade for an outfielder. It wouldn't at yeah. all surprise me if they bring Adam Duvall or somebody like that in, a right-handed hitter to play left field, somebody who can play some decent defense. Now, if they do that, that means you don't get to see johan rojas in center field and i must say one of the things i most enjoyed this weekend is watching johan rojas play center field that play that he made the second batter into the first game of the doubleheader on saturday where he went and crashed into the wall and made that play in center field and made it look easy he does remind you so much of andrew jones in center field the jumps that he gets on the ball the way he glides to, to balls and makes difficult plays look easy i talked to jake Starr from the reading fightings in the middle of last week i wanted this was before we knew anything about rojas getting called up and i was asking him about Reading players because you keep hearing so much about Rojas and Carlos De La Cruz. And I wanted to get a Mick Abel update and Griff McGarry, see how these guys were doing and talking about them as trade candidates. And could Rojas possibly get called up? And I was thinking AAA at some at some point this year. And he was like, yeah, I think so, maybe, because his offense is finally coming around. But the dude's defense is elite. He's already one of the best defensive center fielders in Major League Baseball. And you saw that on display in this series against the Padres. So while I would love, to, I think going out and getting somebody like Adam Duvall or Lane Thomas to play left field as a right-handed batter probably is better for your 2023 playoff chances. I'm, I'm not, I'm not pushing for that so hard right now because I, I'm kind of curious what Johan Rojas has to offer. He's been fun to watch Liz. 
Yeah, and they didn't call him up and start his surface clock for no reason. You know, yes. they uh, they intend to have him do some stuff. They're not going to, I really hope they're not just going to let him ride the bench. Because uh, he does need to play. He needs to get out there and play defense, but he also needs to hit. He also needs yeah. to actually get at-bats. It's the only way that a double-A player is going to get better. And until we get a designated fielder, you know, we're not going to be able to to ignore a player's um, offensive contributions. So I, yeah. I hope they get him in that I don't want them to do anything that would make it more difficult for that to happen. Yeah, no, and I, I think if they do bring up, if they do trade for a guy, they'll send him back down, maybe to AAA, um, maybe back down to AA, let him continue his development. But uh, this is good experience for him, and he contributed in the doubleheader on Saturday. He played, oh, yeah. contributed in some small ball ways with some with some really well placed bunts here and there. Some drawed some drew some some walks, got some um, some some infield hits. I mean, he didn't he wasn't scalding the ball all around Citizens Bank Park, but putting the bat on the ball, using his speed using his small ball skills and playing great defense there you know not every guy in the lineup has to smash the ball if you can be a plus plus defender and i think we saw that with rojas uh this weekend just a few games just a just a sampling but i think he's gonna be a special player i, I think he probably is i think he could be a starting outfielder for this team as as, as soon as next year but it's um we'll, we'll see how the rest of this year plans out um Let's talk trade deadline just a, a little bit here, Liz, uh, before we uh, kind of look ahead to this Brewers series. One of the, I mean, it sounds as though the Angels are talking about Shohei Otani now, moving him at the trade deadline. And the odds makers don't see the Phillies as one of the top teams to get him. I think it's 20 to 1 odds. There's like, you know, ninth or 10th down in the pack. And that makes all the sense in the world to me. This this does not seem like a Dave Dombrowski thing where you go out and you trade for a Shohei Otani. And I still have real, real big doubts that Otani gets moved at all. I just don't have any clue what kind of compensation could fairly pay Los Angeles for a player like this. But I know um, Joe Giglio from WIP, uh, we, we talk about Joe a lot. He said, if the Phillies acquire Shohei Otani, I believe they'll win the World Series. I would trade whatever it takes, mortgage the farm, trade the prospects for a rental of Shohei Otani. I wrote about this for The Good Fight about how terrible an idea that is. I would love to see Otani, so would you, so would every Phillies fan. But I don't agree that it makes the Phillies an automatic winner of the World Series. I, and, and, you know, if I did believe that, if I did think there's no way the Phillies lose the World Series, then yes, I probably would mortgage the future. But we we only have to look back to last year to see teams that win 100-plus games, that win the division. You get in that three-game, that five-game divisional series and anything can happen. That's not to say you don't, Trade for a guy that you don't spend capital on a guy, but to me, I guess what what is your definition of of mortgage the farm? Does that mean trading Painter and Abel, trading Painter and Ranger Suarez and Bryson Stott and Carlos De La Cruz or and Johan Rojas to get a half season of Otani? Because that's probably something along the lines of what we're talking about, and that that just feels like too much to me. Is the point to have Otani for a half a season? Or is the point to have him for, I don't know, a period of years together that where he could play with other members of the Phillies consistently or with whatever team it is? Like, it's the Phillies are not this team. The Phillies are not a team whose window is closing. Yeah. You do this when your window is closing. The Phillies are hoping to compete 
for a more for a few years. Yeah, they want to compete for a long up, time. Yeah, they've been setting up their farm system to be that way. You don't bring in Dave Dombrowski, have him redo everything from top to bottom, and then yes, tear everything out just for half a season of Otani. I think they might. I mean, I think every team should go after Otani in free agency. I don't think the Phillies are the team to go after him here. I think the Yankees are a team to go after him because their window yeah. is closing so, so fast. Mm-hmm. But there aren't actually a ton of teams I think that he would be a fit for trade-wise. The only teams that make sense are teams with so many prospects that it wouldn't even phase them to give up three or four of their top ones. A team like the Orioles, who are who have this window right now, they have so many prospects they could trade. They could put together a fair trade package for the Angels without really touching what they have at the big league level and still have prospects on the farm. They could do it. Um, a team like the Rays are a team that could do it. I think the Braves, well, no, the Braves farm system isn't what it used to be, but they've got all their young players locked up for forever, so they don't really need to worry about that right now. They're, they're, their major league team is consisting of all those young guys that that they brought up. But I agree with you. I think the Yankees, if they, if they have enough trade capital. I don't even know that they have enough trade capital to send to the Angels for Otani, but you're right. In terms of a team with a with a window that is closing rapidly, the Yankees make a lot of sense. A team like that or a team that has a glut of young players teaming throughout the system that they that a team like the Orioles can't even reasonably expect to protect on a 40-man roster, all the players that, that they have. So you move a bunch of those guys. It's, That's it. It's, right there. it's very interesting, but it's not the Phillies, like you said. Yeah, it's not the Phillies. Like a you know, a team exactly like you said is the the perfect one to do it because these days it seems it doesn't take a lot of high prospects. Maybe mm-hmm. one, maybe two. It's all about volume. The point is that every pro, every single prospect is a lottery ticket. You never know which one's going to hit. And that's I mean they're you know, teams have always treated players like commodities, but never more so when it's like this, when yeah. you trade just like a giant, you just shove players into a rowboat and shove them across, you know, the river separating, you know, the Orioles and the Angels, you know, the metaphorical yeah. imaginary river. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the funny thing is we think about Otani and, you know, I think, at least in my mind, I kind of forget that he's also a pitcher sometimes because he makes there are more highlights of him at the plate because he plays every day and hits all these home runs, but he's a number two starter as well. And he essentially slots into a playoff rotation as a number two or a low end number one with all the strikeouts. I mean, he really, it would be a lot of fun if the Phillies did it. I wouldn't be mad about it because you get to watch Otani play for half a season. But I've also heard the argument, some people arguing that it gives you a leg up on other teams to sign him to a free agent contract. So you can start talking to him early and all. Otani, that's 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 not a real thing. I don't think that that's it's not a real thing. That's not true. Yeah. No. Like pe- they say that, but the only way that works is if you sign him to an extension when you trade him. Yes. Yes. Exactly or you right. Actually exactly right. Win the World Series, and right. you sign him, and right. that those are the only way it work, ways it works. Because no matter what happens, unless you win the World Series, he's looking somewhere else. Right. And I will say this too: if you bring Otani to Philadelphia, whether it's in trade this year or as a free agent next year, and I would certainly love the Phillies to go after him as a free agent next year. 
you do have the issue of what do you do with Kyle Schwarber again? Do you have to put him back in the outfield because Otani has DH? So you're looking at either Kyle Schwarber back in left field or moving on from Kyle Schwarber at some point, which we don't want to have that conversation. It's not worth having right now, but just some of the things to be thinking about is Shohei Otani's name continues to get bandied about by those who don't really want to think this through in terms of the Phillies here at the trade deadline. Now, the free agency is a different story. There's certainly a lot of uh, a lot of smoke to anything, any rumors that the Phillies might be interested in Otani, but sir, I, at the trade deadline, no, that's like you mentioned, Liz, that is not Dave Dombrowski's modus operandi right now at all. All right, let's uh, preview this upcoming series uh, against the Milwaukee Brewers and really uh, this parody that we're seeing in the National League right now. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, of course, running away with things in the National League with a 61-31 and 31 record here as we are talking on Monday night. 30 games over 500 here on July 17th. But like I mentioned, the next seven National League teams are all between 50 and 54 wins. Uh, the, the West is really close with San Francisco and Arizona all within two games of the Dodgers in the West. Uh, the Brewers come into town leading the National League Central. Uh, it's, again, a slim margin there. Uh, but uh, on we mentioned just a, a few minutes ago that the Marlins were losing to the Cardinals. They lost that game. So the Phillies now moved to within a half a game of the Marlins for the third wild card. They are essentially, the Marlins and Diamondbacks are tied uh, in the wild card standings, a half a game ahead of the Phillies, and the Giants are just one game up on the Phillies. So, I mean, the Phillies are right there to to kind of make a move here for in the in the wild card standings. As I look at the Brewers, they're hot, Liz. They've won seven out of their last ten. They've won four in a row. I don't know how they're doing it. Their offense. Have you looked at their offensive numbers lately? I have. They are they're brutal. Yep. Christian Yelich is their best player. He's back to being good again in his age 31 season. He has an OPS of 850. He's one of two regulars with an OPS plus over 100. He's at 132. Their catcher, William Contreras, also having a very good season. He's a good young catcher, a 118 OPS plus. But Rowdy Tellez, who's on the injured list, but is their starting first baseman, has a 213 batting average and a 285 on base. Bryce Turang, who's their second baseman, has a 202 average and a 261 on base, a 305 slugging, 566 OPS for him. Willie Adamas has a 212 batting average and a 294 on base, a 706 OPS. Brian Anderson, who's now on the 10 day injured list, he's their third baseman, a 229 average, 317 on base. Uh, Joey Weimer, who is their 24 year old center fielder, 209 batting average, 294 on base. Tyrone Taylor's their right fielder who started most of their games right field. I think it's kind of a rotation there. 160 with a 179 on base percentage. And Jesse Winker, their DH, 201 with a 326 on base and a 253 slugging percentage. Their DH has hit one home run this year. I, I How are they scoring runs? I'm looking at this offense. Where are the runs coming from? I have no idea. Do, do they manufacture them in a factory and secret them in somehow? Like, I, I'm not sure how they're doing this, but it would be nice to see the Phillies expose them for, I'm yeah. going to say, the frauds they might be, question mark. How I, it, are they doing this? I mean, it's their their pitching is is very good, and their pitching has been very good for a little while, and, and we'll kind of look at those guys real quick here in just a second. But as I'm looking at the team stats 
uh, in, in terms of in terms of offense, and I, I'm I'm kind of uh, going to look at runs scored. Um, Milwaukee is 24th in baseball in runs scored, and I am frankly flabbergasted that that they're even <laughs> that they're as high as 24th in in yeah. Major League Baseball. Uh, in terms of of team OPS, they got to be near the bottom here. They are 25th in OPS at 690, tied for 25th. There are only one, two, three, four teams with a lower team OPS than the Milwaukee Brewers. So their pitching obviously is carrying them. And yes, they've got a lot of good. Corbin Burns continues to pitch well. He has a 373 ERA, though. So I mean, he's not lights out. He's got a 408 FIP so far this year. Freddie Peralta, a 441 ERA in 18 starts. Uh, Colin Ray, a 471 ERA. Uh, Wade Miley is a guy who's always given them trouble. He was supposed to pitch the game on Wednesday. He has a 3.06 ERA, which is best on the team. He just hit the injured list. So the Phillies are going to miss him. I guess that's a good news. And then Adrian Hauser has a 379 ERA. And Julio Tehran has started eight games for the Brewers this year for a 364 ERA. But all these guys have fielding independent pitchings in the fours. So. They have a great bullpen, Devin Williams, Joel Piamps, Hobie Milner. Hobie Milner, the great Hobie, Hobie. Milner, 237 ERA for Hobie. And Elvis Piguero, all pitching really well. They've got a really good bullpen, but that's about it. I mean, I don't know how the Brewers are doing what they're doing here. Well, we're going to get a front row seat. Yes, we will. <laughs> we're either going to, like I said, we're either going to dismantle them or be defeated by whatever it is. So, yeah. We'll You're get ready. a good look at whether or not the Central Division is a fraudulent division here. Because, I've been wondering. Yeah, I have been wondering. Not that I don't think the Reds are for real or fun. I think both of those things are true. Uh, but I am deeply suspicious mm-hmm. because the Cubs. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it's it, who have they been? I guess had they been playing the these, Cardinals and the Pirates and the Cubs. I mean, there's a lot of dreck be. there. There is a lot of dreck there. So maybe that's it. Well, I am I am eager to see how they are doing this. Yeah. And they're gonna, I think the Brewers pitch well, but um, the Phillies pitchers should dominate this lineup. It, it should be, it'll probably be a fairly low scoring, frustrating series to watch. You'll probably see the Phillies strand a bunch of base runners. It's going to make you really angry. Uh, but the Phillies should win these three to two, four to two, four to three games here. Um, during the course of this week, I, I do think, you know, this is a good opportunity for them to rack up some wins against a winning team here at home. This is where the schedule is in their favor. Uh, they're getting the Milwaukee Brewers in a time when the Brewers are playing pretty well. They won four in a row coming out of the all-star break. So, um, we will see what they look like when they come to citizens bank park this week. All right. Wrapping up the podcast here, Liz, let's do some final thoughts. Do you have anything to share with the children for today? Uh, not really. <laughs> I wish I had some final thoughts, but Me I either. shared everything I possibly could have shared with you during the podcast. My brain is empty. Thank you all. Liz, Liz left it all on the field tonight, everybody. And that's, all that's all you can ask for from a podcaster. So, <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, look, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. Uh, my thanks to Liz, my co-host on this fine podcast. And uh, folks, we just, we pray that you would help your Phillies fans, friends, and family find this podcast. So uh, if they don't know about Hit and Season and you do and you have access to their phone take it from them get on apple podcast spotify wherever it is you get your podcasts and subscribe to the podcast for them just you'll be just so they know that you'll be doing them a favor and that you love them also tell them about the hit and season patreon where justin and liz and our 
our merry cast of characters. Have a whole kinds of different uh, fun podcasts for you there. Bonus podcasts if you sign up on one of our tiers there. Uh, it's a good way to support the show and you get some bonus content uh, as a thank you from us for doing that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will talk to you next time right here on Hit and Season.